welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about being unequally yoked. This is an interesting discussion because as we examine the concept of unequal yokes, I want to talk a little bit, I want to go a little bit further than some people may have taken with this because it's important that we do, okay? Uh, and I'm going to explain to you why that is. But first, let's go ahead and have a look at what the verses are we are talking about. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 6, and we're going to start in verse 14, and uh, I think we're going to go 14 probably to the end of the chapter there. So uh, that's going to be 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So, Obviously, we always hear the classic example of being not unequally yoked is that an unbeliever should not marry uh, a believer, or rather, more, a believer should not marry an unbeliever. This is an important discussion to have, and the fact of the matter is, uh, if you're in a dating scene as a, as a young Christian particularly, if you're dating, don't even date a person who is not a Christian. Don't even spend a lot of deep time with a person of the opposite sex that is not a Christian. Because you can get emotionally close, entangled, and then you start thinking and pontificating about, oh, what if we marry, he'd have to accept my faith. Or you may even take it a little bit further and say, oh, well, if we're married, our marriage will be sanctified and he'll be sanctified because of me. That is another verse in 1 Corinthians talking about um, if you are both unbelievers, one of you becomes saved, do not seek a divorce. Okay, so that's the only case an unequal yoking should occur in the church. Two unbelieving people are married, one of them becomes saved. The scripture says that, that uh, you, for your part, are not to leave. You, for your part, are to do the best that you can uh, to present the gospel in a loving way, but at the same time, you're not to leave. Your family, your spouse, your children are sanctified because of your belief. That's a whole separate section. But as far as if you're moving into a dating, a courting relationship, you're looking for a long-term relationship, do not seek somebody who is not saved. I'm going to take this a step further, though, and I think justifiably so, and I'm going to explain why here. So we want to go not just on the basis of, of being unequally yoked Christian versus unchristian. These examples here, they give us Christian, unchristian. They give us righteous, unrighteous. They talk about the, the holy temple and nothing else. We talk about being separated. The point we want to take it to is we want to look into the matter of saying not just being yoked with an unbeliever, but also you want to make sure that at least as your relationship starting out, if you're both Christians, that forms the, the basis to begin your relationship. But you also want to recognize that there are different Christian sects. There are different groups of different ideas about what Christianity means. And these are some of those things we have to keep in mind. Okay. 
Now, what do I mean by this? There's certain people that I would completely disagree with a lot of their theology, but I'm not going to say they're not saved. I completely disagree with Arminian theology. I think it's nonsense. I don't think it's found in scripture, but nor do I say an Arminian person is not saved. Okay, I think that they probably have a misunderstanding of what some of the scripture teaches because if you look at the whole counsel of the word of God, it brings you to the level of Calvinism in and of itself. But I'm not going to part fellowship over those ways. I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, a person becomes saved. Um, do they choose God? Does God choose them? All these factors. These are important factors. The scripture is very clear. Nobody comes to the to God unless he first chooses them. But in the midst of that sovereign interaction, yes, a person does ultimately choose God themselves. It's just only after God has chosen them first. So I can understand how somebody who hasn't studied theology as deeply can be an Arminian person and still be saved. I don't doubt that at all. Some people, though, are very uh, reformed in their theology, whereas they're, um, they might be, have a very charismatic in their theology. Again, I think a lot of charismatic theology is crazy. Some of them are not even saved. Some of them are in love with the idea of Jesus, but have no earthly idea what that Jesus actually means. But there are indeed a lot of charismatic and Pentecostal um, people who are saved, they just have a completely different idea of what church means, of what fellowship means, of what relationship means. And if you're a more conserved, more reformed person, you don't want to have this conflict with one another. It produces a lifelong strife of one of you thinks that every church service should end in a you know, in a hand-waving hallelujah um, altar call, and the other one says, no, those things are meant better meant for private, and your salvation is between you and God. If you're constantly tripping over each other, you're going to have a break in your fellowship. So it's good if you are uh, if it's good if you are a Christian, if you're looking for a spouse, if you look for somebody who is on an equal level of maturity, on an equal level of theology, on an equal plane with you in these premises. Because it's very difficult for a person raised and seeped in charismatic theology to abandon it unless they're seeped and raised in it and abused and still believe in Jesus. Those are the examples I've seen people switch. I, I know a person who's very charismatic in that light who came from a horribly Calvinistic family that even took Calvinism to the point of hyper-Calvinism, experienced a lot of abuse in the midst of all of this, and departed Calvinism to move towards the more charismatic view because she still completely agreed that Jesus was the Son of God and accepted all these factors. And I have no problem with that. In fact, that person, I, I remember debating her several times. We had a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, we, were, we weren't close friends ourselves. We had a lot of friends who were close friends. And so we found ourselves at a lot of parties and we love debate. Both of us love debate. I'd go in there and debate the Calvinist argument. She'd go in there and debate the more Arminianist argument. And we could leave and be friends and have a great theological discussion. But we picked it up every single time we were at a party together. It was awesome. Um, but we disagreed. We would be excellent friends and we would be horrible spouses. <laughs> okay. Uh, because we are unyoked in that respect. And you don't want to have 
you don't want to have that degree of conflict. It's not just saved and unsaved. It's what brand of salvation are you? Because I will recognize that different people have different ideas about what is salvation and what is not salvation. And these are some of these factors we have to keep in mind as we think about and as we engage in, in the world around us. So we're going to leave this one here today. Let me know your thoughts uh, about this. Are you married to a person who's not a Christian? Would you ever change that? You know, I, I just remembered one more example from my past. I'm going to throw in here. Um, this deals more with service. I had a friend who was a youth pastor. His wife hated youth. <laughs> they could never come together with his occupation. He had such a heart for youth. She didn't. He said the biggest regret in his life is that his wife would not join his ministry with him. That is another example of being unequally yoked. So anyway, okay, my last example is out of the way. Uh, that one just came to me. I, I forgot about that one. Um, but we'll go ahead and leave this one here today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a look over at the website at rwalkinchrist.com. I do realize I did not send out a newsletter uh, in the month of May. Last week was just totally insane. I had to do some last-minute travel, and then it was just a bad week on top of that. I'm like, eh, okay, we're just going to push that out. I don't know. Maybe we'll get one out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe we'll just uh, we'll just wait for, for the next month. I don't know. But anyway, have a look at the website, rwalkinchrist.com. Join on to the newsletter. Uh, you get some updates, and I will have more information about the latest book coming out because I am just about done with the first draft of it. And then once the first draft of these little books is done, they'll get out and they're in the market pretty soon. So anyway, thanks for coming along. I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.